before you're seated. Before you're seated, gotcha. Before you're seated, air high five those who are around you real quick. Give them an air high five around you. All right, that's good, that's good. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. It's great to be back together again in worship at the beginning of this week. Dr. Tony Evans, prominent pastor and author, said this, you may run out of a lot of things in life, but you won't ever run out of God's love. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we can rejoice in that truth this morning. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God loves us passionately, for God so loved the world. The so there speaks to the intensity, the magnitude, the greatness of God's love for us. Think about this for a moment. God knows us intimately, and God loves us passionately. God also loves us purposefully. God and his great love for us motivated him to send his son Jesus to earth to rescue us from our sins. God's purpose was to destroy the dividing wall of sin that separated us from him and the perfect sacrifice of his son, our Savior, Jesus. We are forgiven by God. We become children of God. We are made right with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. God loves us personally. For God so loved the world, which includes you and me. Each one of us have a personal, loving, growing relationship with God by faith in Jesus. God answers our prayers. God guides our steps. God heals our hurts. God meets our needs. God transforms us in the likeness of Jesus day after day after day. And God loves us permanently. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. When we receive God's gift of salvation by believing in Jesus and receiving him into our lives by faith and trust in him, we become members of God's forever family. We are family in Christ Jesus. Amen? Say hello, family. All right, now turn and look to your neighbor. Say, hello, family. We are family in Christ Jesus. God loves us permanently. We know no one or nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. So as members of God's family in Christ Jesus, God wants us to live in unity with one another. God wants us to live in unity with one another. And so we're going to look into God's word and see what he has to say to us this morning about living in unity together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Get your scriptures out. We're going to move around a little bit. You can start with Genesis chapter 1. That's where we're going to begin. And we're going to move around a little bit this morning as we share some points that God has given to us in his word in regards to unity. The first point is this. God is a God of unity. We see this right from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. And so we see here that God said, let us make man in our image. And we know that was a reference to 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, us and our. That's who God was referring to. We believe in one God expressed in three persons, distinct in their roles, yet living in perfect harmony and unity with one another. And so we know God is a God of unity. Secondly, we know God emphasized unity in his word. God emphasized unity in his word. And you can start from the Old Testament, go all the way to the New Testament, and you'll see this theme, this doctrine of unity throughout the word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 133 and verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It is good and it is pleasant when God's people live together in harmony and in unity with one another. Paul echoed this in Romans chapter 12 and in verse 16 when Paul said, live in harmony with one another. As brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, he said, live in harmony with one another. Harmony is from the original word phrenao, and it means to be of the same mind. Unity from henates means oneness in agreement. So as Christ followers, we are to live in harmony with one another. We're to live in unity with one another. We're to be of the same mind as one another. We're to be one together. We're to be in agreement with one another regarding our identity in Christ Jesus, our love for Christ Jesus, our obedience to Christ Jesus, because we are one in Christ Jesus. And so we're to be of the same mind as brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we look at the Word of God, and as the Word of God becomes the guide and the source for our daily lives, our decisions, as we hide His Word in our heart on a day-by-day basis so that we won't sin against Him, it allows us then to live in unity together around the Word of God, which is our guide for life, which allows us then to be of the same mind as one another, to be in agreement with one another when we interact with not only one another, but with all those that are around us, and when we dialogue about all the things that are going on in the culture around us. Paul expanded on this thought. He expanded on this teaching and this truth in Ephesians chapter 4. So turn to your right in Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to hold your spot. We're going to stay in Ephesians chapter 4 for uh, quite some time this morning. We'll move again in just a moment from Ephesians 4, but you need to stay in Ephesians 4 uh, even as we move from it for just a few moments here. But we see Paul expanding on this teaching about living in harmony and unity with one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, Paul said this as he expands this teaching, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Say one. We see here that Paul is bringing emphasis to this point in regards to unity and harmony. He said that there is one body. That one body is a reference to the family of God, the church, the body of Christ. That's us, my brothers and sisters. 
He then continued and said, there is one spirit. That's the one Holy Spirit who indwells each one of us at the moment of our salvation. He continued and shared about our one hope, the one hope that we have, that we will spend eternity with God one day in heaven because of our faith in Christ Jesus. He continued and talked about our one Lord, the one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our one faith, the truth of God's word, which is the guide for you and me in our day-to-day lives. It is the source of our instruction from God. It is a source of love from God. It is the faith that guides and directs, convicts and challenges and encourages us on a day-by-day basis. He then said one baptism. One baptism was a reference to our public baptism as followers of Jesus Christ after our salvation, which is a step of obedience in which we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One baptism is also a reference to the reality, to the fact that the Holy Spirit of God baptizes each one of us into the body of Christ, into the family of God at the moment of our salvation. And so we see here in these verses the unity in the Trinity. If you notice in verses 4, 5, and 6, we see the unity in the Trinity in verses 4, 5, and 6. We see God the Holy Spirit in verse 4. We see God the Son in verse 5. We see God the Father in verse 6, which is why Paul says our God is above all, through all, and in all because he is our awesome and almighty God. There is no one like him. There is no one greater than he is. There is no one higher than him. And so we are one with God, and we are one with one another in Christ Jesus. We have unity with God, and we have unity with one another in Christ Jesus. We have harmony with God, and we have harmony with one another in Christ Jesus. And so we know God is a God of unity. We know God has emphasized unity throughout his word. And we can certainly see many other passages that signal this truth, this teaching throughout the word of God. The third point we see is that Jesus, he prayed for our unity. Now remember, hold your place in Ephesians 4, but I want you to turn to your left, and we're going to move to John chapter 17 for a few moments, and then we'll be right back to Ephesians chapter 4. So stay there in Ephesians 4, but maybe just move a little to your left, the Gospel of John chapter 17. I'll begin reading this amazing passage, John 17, and I'll begin reading in verse 20. Jesus prayed for our unity. This is powerful. In chapter 17 and verse 20, Jesus prayed this prayer. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. 
What an amazing passage. Jesus here prayed in chapter 17, one of the most amazing prayers in all Scripture. Jesus prayed for himself. Jesus prayed for his disciples. And then, believe it or not, Jesus prayed for you and me as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. He is praying for us right here in this passage. Jesus prayed here for those who would believe in him through their word. Their word is a reference to the teaching and preaching of the disciples and apostles of Jesus Christ. What Jesus was praying here was for his followers in the future, which includes you and me. You see, we are those, I am one, you are one, we are those who have believed in Jesus through their word, through the preaching and teaching of the disciples and apostles that have been recorded for us in the word of God by the authors that God supernaturally created, called and gifted to record this word for us so that we might be able to know how to enter a relationship with God, how to live for God, and how to tell others about God in this word that has been recorded for us. This word teaches us and corrects us and rebukes us and trains us in righteousness so that even each one of us will be ready, able, and equipped to do all that God has called us to do. The amazing news for you and me, as we are in Scripture, we're in the Word of God. I'm in the Word of God. You're in the Word of God. I don't know about you, but that fires me up. That fires me up. That's better than being in any kind of Hall of Fame. We're in the Word. We are in the Word of God. He was praying for those who would believe in him through their word. And that includes us today. And all those who will continue to come to faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And without question, the central core message in the word is the good news of the gospel. The good news that God has reconciled us to himself by sending his son Jesus to earth to take our place on the cross and pay our price for sin so that we might receive forgiveness of sin and enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. This is what John was writing about in John chapter 1 and verse 12 when John said, Yet to all who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name. We become children of God by the supernatural power and grace of God at work in our lives that leads us and draws us to believe in and receive the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so we understand and realize here, as we look at this passage, Jesus prayed for our unity and oneness. Think with me now. Jesus prayed for our unity and our oneness in verse 21, in verse 22, and in verse 23. And if you look real quick, we'll highlight these specific prayers and what they mean for us. Number one, Jesus prayed for our unity and oneness, which 
we share with one another in our relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Our unity in oneness, first and foremost, is a shared relationship that we have. It's the community that we have. It's the fellowship that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ with God and with one another by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Our unity and our oneness also includes the glory of God that we have received by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. So our unity and oneness is based on our relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Now get this, our unity and oneness also includes the glory of God that has been given to us by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I have glorified you, Father. Jesus glorified God in his character. Jesus glorified God in all of his actions, in all of his deeds, and in all of his words during his earthly ministry. As the disciples were asking, we, and others are saying, we want to see God, Jesus said, just, just look. Just look. I am he. Jesus was displaying the glory of God in his actions, in his words, and all that he did and said. Paul told us, get a hold of this now, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Oh, whoa, wait a second. Yeah? You know where Jesus is going. This means that our unity and oneness in Christ Jesus also means that we're to bring glory to God. We're to display the glory of God in everything we do and everything we say, everywhere we go. Now, we display the glory of God as we walk as Jesus walked. We display the glory of God as we love as Jesus loved. We display the glory of God as we serve as Jesus served. We display the glory of God as we display the fruit of the Spirit as we walk by the Spirit day by day. As we walk by the Spirit, others are able to see God in and through us. As we walk as Jesus walked, as we serve as Jesus served, as we love as Jesus loved, what's happening is others are seeing Christ in us, the hope of glory. They're seeing the glory of God reflected in and through our lives. Now, we display the glory of God by the power of God at work in us. We have no shot, I have no shot, you have no shot at displaying the glory of God, at being a reflection of the character of God, the goodness of God in your strength and I don't have any shot at that in my strength. We display the glory of God by the power of God at work in us. Part of the reason why he placed his Holy Spirit in us so that we could display the glory of God to all those he places around us. But listen now, the third point Jesus prayed for is our unity and oneness is to be a witness to the world who needs to know Jesus by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. You remember now Jesus said this, may they also be in us. Father God, as I am in you and you are in me, may they also be in us so that what the world may know, you sent me, Father, to rescue them from their sins. 
So here's what that literally means now. Listen now. Our unity in Jesus is to point people. It's to be such a shining light that all those God allows to be around us should be able to look at the unity that we have with Jesus and with one another, and it should be a light shining out in the darkness of a sin-filled world that is able to then lead others to be able to draw near to Jesus Christ. You see, what should happen with us as brothers and sisters in Christ, because we're one, is through the way in which we interact with one another through the way in which we express our oneness, through the way in which we love one another and bless one another. Others who don't have a relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, who are living in the darkness, should be able to see those of us who are in the light, and they should see something that is completely different than what they're seeing around them. They should see something that stands out so brightly that they can't help but be drawn to it. It's like at times in the middle of the night when you're asleep at night and sometimes you see this, one of those big lights that shine up into the sky. And every time you see one of those big lights shining up in the sky, there's one of those big light banks that's probably trying to draw attention. Everybody come here. No matter where you're at, you look at that and you always say, I wonder what that's going on right there. I wonder what's happening. And at times we'll even try to drive to get closer to see what is happening there. What is that big light shining? What is that representing? And the light in us, through our unity together as brothers and sisters in Christ, should be something that is so magnetic, that is so different, that is so unique, that is so beautiful that others can't help but say, I, I got to get closer. I got to find out. I got to see what's going on. Jesus prayed, Father, may they be also in us so that the world, so that the world around them may believe that you sent me. Which connects perfectly to what Jesus said. By this, all people will know you are my disciples by the way in which you love one another. Which stems from that unity that we have with one another, with God in Christ Jesus. Fourth point then, it's clear, it's obvious. I must live in unity. You and I must live in unity. It's clear, unity is a must for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Think about it in this way. If you just wanna focus on it in this one way, Jesus sacrificed his life to secure and purchase our unity with him and with one another. There's no greater sacrifice than that. Jesus gave his life to purchase our unity with God and with one another. So it's clear unity is a must for us as followers of Jesus Christ. However, I would also share with you this morning, it's clear that Satan wants to destroy our unity in Christ Jesus. It's clear. Satan wants division and disunity in the body of Christ. Satan is the father of lies. He is the tempter. He is the accuser of the brethren. And he constantly and relentlessly tries to divide us from God, from God's word, and from one another. 
It is a nonstop, relentless barrage of lies and accusations and doubts against our minds. All designed in some way, form, or fashion to divide us, first and foremost from God, from the truth of God's word, and from one another. Because when we're divided from God and the truth of God's word, we're going to be divided from one another. We will be divided. There will be disunity. And so he does this because he understands and knows division in the church damages the witness of the church. That's what Jesus just prayed for. So division in the church damages the witness of the church. And you know the church is us. So division in our lives and in our relationships with one another damages our witness for Christ Jesus. Division in the church hurts the people in the church. Division in the body hurts you and me. Division in the church turns people away from the church. People don't want that because they see enough of that in the world. And division in the church is caused by disobedience to God's word. Division in the church, plain and simple, is caused by disobedience to God's word. When one or more believers choose to live their way rather than God's way, when one or more believers choose to do what they want rather than what God wants, when one or more believers choose sin rather than the Savior Jesus, what happens is that separation begins between them and God, between them and the Word of God, and then what happens, that sin settles into their life and it begins to spread through them like poison and it begins to permeate through their lives into their relationships, into their ministries, into the congregations that God has given to them, and it begins to produce division in their relationships. And it's caused by sin. One simple example Let's say a brother or sister in Christ offends a follower of Christ. A brother or sister in Christ, by what they say or what they do, offends another brother or sister in Christ. And the offended brother or sister in Christ, the Word of God is real clear. The Word of God says, if someone offends you, you are to go to them in love, you are to go to them with grace, and you're to go and face-to-face -face talk with them in love with grace to communicate what they did or said which caused hurt or offense in your life so that that unity can be protected, that unity can be restored, forgiveness can be sought and shared, and and God can be glorified. It is amazing how that works when it is obeyed. But see, what happens too often is that brother or sister in Christ who's been offended chooses not to go to that person, that brother or sister in Christ who has offended them by what they've said or done. And the truth of the matter is that offending brother or sister in Christ may not even know they have offended this other brother by what they said or did. They may have no idea. They may not have any desire. And this other brother or sister in Christ who has been offended chooses not to go and do what the Word of God says. Instead, they choose to just go ahead and deal with it on their own. They choose to disobey what the Word says. They choose to deal with it on their own. And what happens is that hurt begins to fester. And that hurt becomes anger. And that hurt becomes bitterness. And that hurt becomes resentment. And that hurt leads to unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness and that hurt and that resentment and that bitterness begins to formulate in their lives. And it begins to take root in their lives. And it begins to spread through their lives. And then what happens? What does the Word say? The Word says whatever's on the inside is coming outside through our mouths. And what happens is when a 
time has reached its fulfillment, those folks who are struggling with that sin, that sin has poisoned them, then they'll begin to say things that are negative about that person instead of handling the business with that person. And they start saying things negative about that person, which continues the division. And then that person who hears says something, and that person who says something, and before you long, you got full-on division in the body of Christ. And Satan is doing this. And it's a shame because all that needs to happen is for the Word of God to be obeyed. That's it. Walk in obedience. D.L. Moody, late pastor and author, said, I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people are divided. Never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people are divided. So we understand and realize how important this is. The Apostle Paul realized how important this is. He understood this, which is why he emphasized unity in his writings to his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. This is especially too in his letter to the church at Ephesus. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see this. Paul ministered in in the church in Ephesus for three years. He loved this church and he encouraged unity in this church so God's work could continue in and through this church. And so we are going to see here what Paul has to say. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. This is an amazing passage uh, and we'll read verses 1 through three and Paul wrote these words therefore I the prisoner in the Lord urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity say unity unity of the spirit through the bond of peace now first Paul said therefore in verse one the very first word in verse one therefore signaled that Paul was now changing his direction in his letter to the believers at Ephesus he had talked to them about their beliefs in chapters one through three now he was getting ready to talk to them about their behaviors in chapters four through six because our beliefs determine our behaviors as followers of Jesus Christ Paul said I therefore a prisoner therefore I the prisoner in the Lord Paul was reminding them that he was a captive of Christ Jesus. He was literally in chains for Christ. Paul was literally in jail for Jesus. As a prisoner in the Lord, Paul was not in charge of his life. The Roman prison guards and officials were not in charge of his life because Almighty God was in charge of his life. Paul wrote these words from a prison cell in Rome to the believers of the church at Ephesus. And so he was reminding them of what he had been speaking to them. And then he continued and he said, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. This is the reference to the calling to salvation we have received from God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, based on everything that I've said, all of these beliefs that I've told you about, now this is how we're going to behave. And the first thing we're going to do as we behave as followers of Jesus Christ is we're going to live worthy. We're going to live up to the standards. We're going to live worthy. We're going to live worthy of the calling We have received, that's key, we have received, say received, we have received from God in Christ Jesus. This is known, this is called positional unity. This is called positional unity. We have unity with God and unity with one another by faith in Christ Jesus. We have harmony with God and harmony with one another by faith in Christ Jesus. 
We are one with God and one with another by faith in Christ Jesus. And we have received this unity as a gift of God's grace in Jesus. This unity that is ours in Jesus is a gift that we have received. Not that we've earned or worked for or deserved or purchased or bought. That's why he says, live worthy of the calling you have received. This is a calling that we have received by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. So I want you to see three points about this unity that is ours in Christ Jesus. Number one, this unity, our unity is a blessing for us. Our unity is a blessing for us. Listen, we were once dead in our sins and transgressions. As Paul shared in chapter 2, we were once dead in our sins and transgressions. We once lived according to the ways of this world. We once were separated from God because of our sin against God. We once carried out the desires of our sinful flesh. We once were helpless and hopeless without God in this world. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God, because of his great love for us, because God, because of his great kindness to us, because God, because of his amazing grace to us, but God, God made us alive with him in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, we are God's workmanship. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Our unity in Jesus, first and foremost, my brother and my sister, is a blessing for us. It is a blessing we have received from God. We've not gotten it from anybody else. We've not earned or worked for it. No, we've received it from God in Christ Jesus. This is our blessing. There's now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus any longer. We know and understand that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our unity in Jesus is a blessing that undergirds us every day of our lives, every step of our way, every moment of our day. We are one with God in Christ Jesus. It's an awesome blessing. But now listen, the second point here is our unity in Jesus helps us bless one another. Hey, our unity in Jesus helps us bless one another. Look what he says in verse 2. With all, you know, we're to urge us to live worthy of the calling you have received. Now, here's this. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. That is an amazing four-pack right there. Come on now. That's a four-pack. You talk about the four horsemen, that's a four-pack right there. Humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Woo! What can we do with humility, gentleness, patience, and love? Let's just think for a moment. Our, our unity in Jesus helps us bless and encourage one another. See, our unity in Jesus helps us live with humility. 
Humility doesn't mean we think less of ourselves. Humility just means we think less of ourselves in regards to time. We're not thinking of ourselves less. We just think of ourselves not near as much as we maybe used to before Christ. Humility is the awareness that our God is an awesome God and that we desperately need him in every way, every day of our lives. And so our unity in Jesus helps us to live with humility toward one another. Our unity in Jesus helps us live with gentleness. Gentleness is meekness, it's mildness. Gentleness literally is power under the control of the Holy Spirit, which allows us to respond with gentleness to those who aren't gentle, with kindness to those who aren't kind, with love to those who aren't loving, with grace to those who aren't gracious. But then Paul said, with patience. Patience means to be long-suffering. It means to take a long time to get heated up. It means to be long-tempered rather than short-tempered. And so what happens is our unity in Jesus that we have received from God in Christ Jesus that is ours, freely we receive, freely we're to give. And then it allows us to bless one another because it, it's going to keep us to the standard that we see in the Word, that, that we're going to relate with one another in humility and with gentleness, but also with patience. You see, we're going to be so aware of how patient God is with us that we're going to demonstrate that patience with those around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we understand and realize we need one another's patience just as much as one another needs our patience. And then he said humility, this, this unity in Jesus not only helps us live in humility and gentleness and patience, but also it helps us bear with one another in love. I love this. Bear with one another means to suffer long. It means to endure. It means to hold up with. It means to persevere in love at all times with our brothers and sisters in Christ. In the good times and the bad times, on the mountaintops and the valleys, in the easy and the difficult, in the times where it's convenient when it's not convenient, when it's popular when it's not popular, when we understand one another and when we don't understand one another, when it's comfortable and when it's uncomfortable, we're going to bear with one another in love. We're gonna hang tough. We're gonna endure. We're gonna suffer long. We're gonna saddle up to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus and we're gonna love one another up and we're gonna say, until this passes, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here, I'm with you, we're one in Christ Jesus. We're gonna get this thing worked out. We're gonna work it out in love. You see, God desires not only for us to receive this blessing of unity with him, but to share it with one another. And we're able to live with humility and gentleness and patience and love in the grace and strength of Christ in us. So we can look at it in this way, as, a, as an encouragement and as a challenge to us as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus this morning. As brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, those who are one in Christ Jesus, any and everything that we do or say should be done or said with humility, gentleness, patience and love, or it shouldn't be done or said at all. I think you're following me. I hope you're following me. As followers of Jesus Christ, anything we do or say, according to the Word of God, should be done in humility, 
with gentleness, patience, and love. Or listen, folks, it shouldn't be done or said at all. In the name of Jesus, for the glory of his name and the good of his church, don't do it or say it. Don't. And each one of us, in whatever area or situation that relates to us in our personal lives, we need to get with God until we can do or say everything with humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Because it's only by His power working us that that's going to happen. But what a difference humility, gentleness, patience, and love will make in us, with us, and through us and around us so that the world may know that He sent His Son to rescue them from their sins. The third point here is our unity in Jesus motivates us. He said in verse 3, he continued and said, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, we're going to focus on this next week. This is going to be our, our theme passage, our topic for next week. But here's what it just means in a real quick nutshell. It means this. Our unity in Christ Jesus should motivate and compel and encourage and drive each one of us to make every effort to be as diligent as possible to do all we can to keep to guard and to take care of the unity of the Spirit that we enjoy one another through the bond of peace that is ours in Christ Jesus. We should make every effort, we should do all we can to protect that unity, that Spirit birth unity, that peace that is ours in Christ Jesus. You see, our unity is with God and with one another in Christ Jesus. And our unity in Jesus should spur us on to love one another like Jesus. Our unity in Jesus should spur us on to live with one another for Jesus. Our unity in Jesus should spur us on to point and tell others about Jesus. Honestly, our unity in Jesus should spur each one of us on day by day to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, and to follow after Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our Master, day by day. Walking as Jesus walked. Being blessed, being a blessing. Being encouraged, being an encourager. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's gonna come and lead us in music.